Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. We're back again. Happy New Year. We're glad that you've joined us. But we have our friend Addison with the welcome. Yo, thank you for having me. We're excited to have you. Will you start off telling everyone who you are, your family, your work, all the things? Yeah. This is actually a question I was the most nervous about. Like, what are people going to think? Like, I'm not really a big deal, which is oh great, right? I mean, you just got to like, set the stage so people well, know, like, who they're listening to. I'm an ordinary person, which that will make sense later when we talk about this conversation. So I am a Jesus follower. That's how I want to be defined. People ask, like, who I am. Like, I don't want to be defined by the things that I do or what's around me. Like, I follow Jesus. That's primary in my life. The rest of the things just kind of add to that and kind of play out of it. So married to Lynette, she is the bomb.com. She's probably the one that should be sitting in this chair. She is We amazing. should have her on. We'll sometime. have her on. Yeah. yeah. She is the bomb.com. So we've been to Mary 2011, how 11, 12, 12 years, years this year. Yeah. So 12 That's years, awesome. three kids, Theo, Louisa, and Sullivan. And they are They're everything. Cute. They're so fun. They are. I agree. Such good names too. 100%. Mm-hmm. When I first met you all, I'm like, oh, wow, those are good kid names. <laughs> like I'm like, they're classic people. That's literally what I thought. There's some family names and some just like sitting in the room, you know, like, all right, we got this name and that name. Let's go with Louisa. And look, it worked out. Like yeah. she fits She's her a Louisa. name. She yeah. is 100% a Louisa. Yeah. It's so cute. Oh, it's so, yeah. What do you yeah. do for work? Walk us through that. I am a pastor at The Crossing. I work with small groups and it is so much fun because to sit down with people like y'all and just talk about, hey, how are you guys doing in your discipleship with Jesus? I mean, that's really what we do. It's got a fancy title, you know, pastor of small groups. And we have all these structures and things we do. But really at the heart of it is like, hey, how are you doing in your walk with Jesus? And it is a lot of fun. I've been doing that since I graduated seminary in 2013. I was in Michigan for a while, came back, actually know this place at the crossing. We're here in Columbia, know this place really well because this is where I became a Christian. I am kind of back home, if you will. I've been away for nine years. Seems crazy. Yeah, I didn't know you back in the day here, but you came back to Columbia this summer and you were new to me. But to a lot of our staff members and people who have been around a while, it was like you were coming back. Yeah, home, that's why so. I'm like, Addison, for sure, you like outdo us in your time here mm-hmm. because, but we just didn't but know to you. you you're, 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 no you're the new kid. Yeah. You're no G. To us. Maybe not like actual tenure, right? Yeah. But in time here, I mean, I spent time, I was looking, this is funny, Ryan Wampler, who is a pastor that I work with currently as a recording, has a mustache that he shaved for his... It does? Good. Yeah, I haven't it's, seen it. Really. It's I really, really quality. Like it. Yeah, it is good. good. I think he pulls it off. He's he looks plugging, like Paul Tripp. Yeah, he does look like Paul Tripp. Or Ned Flanders, but that's also not very satisfying that's, to hear that you sound like yeah. Ned Flanders. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I remembered the last time I was here, he did this once before. Oh. So I was scrolling through old pictures. I don't know if you guys ever do that, but oftentimes I'll scroll through old pictures. And I found a Veritas, which is our college ministry staff picture from back in the day. And oh my gosh, we were all little kids. Oh yeah. Little kids. This was like 2008, 2009. You so don't even good. want to know what grade I was in at <laughs> yeah, that wait, point. Like, what were you wearing? <laughs> oh. We're also just like fashion options, I just had, like kind of bad. Well, t-shirt? Nothing good. No, T-shirts? I had a polo. I, I wore oh, a polo. polo. I was life. in a fraternity, so oh, it was like polo oh. life was the life. Frat yeah. daddy. Yeah, yeah, frat daddy with polos, polos and boat <laughs> shoes. Frat <Yeah>. daddy. <laughs> what? That's just a thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just hilarious. Well, yeah. I was going to say, because of your wife, you are a very fashionable man. Uh, Lynette a, does like wardrobe consulting. She does. So yep. yeah. She I, makes your I'm whole family look good. I'm a billboard for her. 
Like people are like, oh, what you're wearing is really great. I'm like, I just talked to my wife. Everything in my closet is from her. She picked it out. So if it looks good, it's because of her. That's cool. I Maybe like, not the I like color though, because she doesn't like color. Well, yeah, she's branching out a little bit more. She does. She likes very neutral. I wish I knew what she would say to people about this. She has a reason for why yeah, she likes yeah. neutral colors. Well, probably because most people, I mean, if you talk to, we've had Patrick on and he talks about this a lot. Like when you have a lot of neutral pieces, then you can mix They're and match versatile. a lot more. More versatile. Whereas like I, Christian, we talk about it a lot because I used to only wear neutrals, which today we're both wearing black. But in the last two years, I don't know what has like happened to me, but I'm like neon bright colors are my jam. And it is weird because some colors weirdly can work as a neutral in a way. But a lot of times I'll wear like a hot pink sweater and I wear it once and I'm like, okay, you can't just like keep wearing that over and over. <laughs> yeah, it I really feel like a neutral out. wardrobe also allows you to be like more of a minimalist. Yes. Like yes. You can mix yes. and match yep. a lot more. So that's yep. probably why it's more popular. Mm-hmm. 100%. It, it is. And there's other things like wearing black wool, like thin you out. Slimming. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I've heard her say these things so many times. So this is just a side note and then we can jump in. But we all have kids so we can say this there is this new thing coming out about they're calling it the sad beige culture of parenting and so what that means if you think about it so five years ago my daughter how old is theo he's seven so okay yeah five seven emerson my oldest is five almost five back like when i was registering for everything you were going for all these like neutral baby items. And my mom, who's like a kindergarten teacher, she's just like, I don't like this. Like babies need color. They need simulation, which is like now when you have a bright colored baby thing, you're kind of annoyed that it's in your house. Like it's kind of this trend to have all these like gray beige neutral baby items. And research is actually coming out about it saying that we are in this sad beige culture where we just want our children to like all wear like beige looking clothes. And did the research say that was like affecting the kids like development and growth and like, yes, yes. And how we as parents just like want it to match our aesthetic when we're not really thinking through like actually colors are good for them to develop and all these things. And so I just think it's funny and now there's certain people that are like, let's boycott the like sad beige moms on Instagram. Like, let's bring color back into our world. Isn't that funny? Gosh, the conversations. I do. I mean, I will have to say, like, I died to myself when it came to my kids' clothing because they go to school every day. They are like a disaster. Like, they come home super dirty. I'm like, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on clothes. Also, like, the joy of my son when he gets a Spider-Man shirt is like... It's oh, worth the it, best. Right? I swear so I would like, never I don't buy. even yeah. care. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, I, so they're picking out their own clothes. They're not looking good and they're in character clothes. No, and I'm like, all the things I said. so long, right? And you've got Lynette who is uber fashionable and just wants to think through these things. So she wants to buy nice fashionable clothes when they come home and they're like holes in them. There's playground at my kid's school for black. some reason. Everything yeah, black. Yep. Turns everything black. It's like, yep. Tire p- chunks. Yeah. I don't the understand. Yep. Where's I don't all know. the metal stuff we grew up playing on? Yeah. Right. I mean, just toughing Gashing kids your up. Heads yeah. Out I'd rather have yeah. cuts than black yeah. clothes because yes. that costs money. Yeah. Yeah. This is so good. I hope you guys have like learned a little bit. I love of this stuff, Addison. Yes. Well, you mentioned so. Yeah, diving into a topic, you mentioned you're a pretty ordinary man. You live an ordinary life. Not pretty, like probably definition. Yeah. Well, like talk us through that. So I will say for myself, this topic's really good for me because I am. I mean, in my pride and selfishness, I am like, I want to live a life like of big dreams, make a big impact. I want to live a life of significance that makes a big difference. But that's not the reality of most of our lives. So talk to us. Like, what do you actually think living a life that's following Jesus, like 
putting that at the forefront, what does that actually look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I, let me start by saying I also have big dreams and aspirations, and I oftentimes compare myself to people who are, quote unquote, like making it right. Like one of my best friends has written a book and has a podcast and, you know, I've been friends with him for a long time. And so I oftentimes I don't say this to make him feel bad because maybe he'll listen to this, but I don't say like I compare myself to him I'm like, oh, man, I'm I'm not making it. So, look, I have that same struggle. Like I'll make decisions based on, OK, I want this certain thing or I want to be this certain person or I want to preach more because I want people to know who I am. And so I have to fight those temptations as well. So I just want to start by saying that I am not like I'm not sitting here in this chair because I've got it all figured out and I just am okay with my ordinariness. I just recognize that I think when you look at the story of the Bible and you look at Jesus and you look at the disciples, you look at what we're called to do, there is something countercultural to what we're doing today that is embedded in all of it. You know, I read a book when I was in college called Radical. It was by David Platt. By all means, it's not a bad book, but what I think it was pushing our culture to at that time was to like step out there, to do big things. Go find the people in the bush that don't know Jesus. Like To drop everything in your life. I read that book around the same time. Yeah, just like drop it all and go do something extreme. Yes, exactly. And I caught on to that vision. I wanted to do the most radical thing I could do. And so then I started reading all these books about radical missionaries, people who went all over the world to bring Jesus. And I came across a book called The Ordinary Pastor by a guy named D.A. Carson. And it was about his dad. It was the fascinating book for me to read because it was all about this guy who just served his local church in French-speaking Canada. And that was it making house visits. And it was D.A. Carson, who's just, you know, he's kind of a big name. People read him for theology and different things. But he was talking about his dad and he was, it was like a, a very uplifting, I'm revering my dad. This is something that no one knows who he is. But people know who I am, D.A. Carson. So it was just, it was interesting. So it kind of changed how I thought about ministry. And look, again, I didn't arrive. It just changed the way I thought about, okay, well, there are people next door. Like there are people that need house visits. There are people that need food, meals to be taken to them. And I don't need to go to the bush. I don't need to go to Africa or we talk about the 80-20 window where there's just a lot of unreached people. I need to go to Papua New Guinea to reach people because there are people just around the corner from where I live. I mean, there's a couple that I'm thinking of. And so it just changed the way that I thought about it. And so when I talk about being ordinary, it's not because I don't want extraordinary things to happen, right? That's the opposite of ordinary. I do. Someone coming to know Jesus in our culture today, I think is extraordinary, right? Because our culture has lots of things that it says you should be individualistic. It says you should be striving for yourself. You should be one-upping people, lots of competition. And to follow Jesus, a lot of that, it's the opposite of that. And so it is kind of extraordinary. And I want those things to happen, but I think it happens in ordinary ways. Mm -hmm. I recently heard, I think it was like Sadie Robertson, and I'm probably going to butcher exactly what she said, but she said something of like, if you're looking for the glory, you can't give any of the glory. Yeah, she just said that it was from passion. Yeah, she just said it at passion. And I was like, that's so good. Again, it's just like one of those really easy things to digest. But I'm like, genuinely, I think we live in a culture that we want to look like the Savior. We want to look like the one who came in and like overcome the battle for someone. We want to like meet everyone's needs. We want all the things. And like when you actually read stories of the Bible, it's actually the complete opposite. 
most people the most who impactful are even people, written, yeah. yeah the most impactful people in the stories that are written down in like the book of life normally are people who are like just making a meal yep. or like figuring hosting it out. people serving or, faithfully serving, yeah. yeah i mean look jesus was born in a manger like he wasn't born in some palace or some kingdom. So it, again, it just reorients, you know, a lot of people say it flips everything upside down. It does. It reorients and flips everything upside down the way we think about what our lives are. They're not meant to be glorious, right? You know, what's the chief end of man? You guys, are you guys familiar with any of the like Westminster catechism Catholic, stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. the chief end of man is to glorify God. Yep. And to enjoy him forever. Right. So we glorify God and we join him. That's the chief end of what we are called to do. And when you put it that simply, I mean, kind of takes a lot of pressure off. Right. It makes it feel a little bit nice. Like, okay, my chief end isn't to max out my 401k. It isn't to have a million followers on YouTube. It isn't to drive the fanciest and nicest car. Look, all things that at some point in my life I've wanted and desired, right? So I'm not trying to say I don't sit here wanting those things. I for sure do. But when our chief end, when we are here existing in this world is to glorify God and then to enjoy him, I mean, I just like... That puts everything to fall back into place. I want to go back. So I think there's two things I think of, of like this craving we all have to be someone to do something big comes back to this deep innate desire. I think Christian or not, we all have, which is to be known and loved by people. I really do think when you break everything down, it's like people just want to be known deeply and loved deeply. And so that kind of comes out in all these really nasty ways. And then especially in our culture today, just this idea of fame and importance and who you are and probably because on social media, people can, you can have your own little circle of fame, whether that's like 500 followers could be a ton for you. I mean, 500 people looking at what you're doing in your life is a lot of people where back in the old days, it's like maybe the people on your street and the parents at your kids elementary school knew you knew what you were up to. And so it creates this false desire to like be more known, more desired by people to know who you are, all these things. And so I think it's just like those two things that innate desire we have in this culture we live in playing into one another. And yes, there's like people that do have platforms. I mean, we feel this urge of even with the podcast, it's like, you want it to grow, we want it to grow in size, we want it more listeners, we want more people to know about it. But at the same time, there's just this quiet sense that I have felt this tug probably I've said it a few times, but I think a lot of my life changed, obviously, the year my first daughter was born. I kind of went through this identity crisis of like, I kind of am just feeling this tug to like hide away a little bit more, like to be in my home, to just be faithfully serving my friends. And like, it's so interesting. I feel like we share a lot on this podcast, but for as much as we share about our vulnerable lives, like it's so, I don't know, just like peaceful for me to know there's so many things that only these close people in my life know about me or that, yeah, I'm vulnerable with a lot of things, but it doesn't mean it needs to be like broadcast to the world. And so there's this tension that we live in with all of it. And I think it kind of becomes the joke of like, oh, the stay-at-home Midwestern mom of like, you're just living this boring life. Whereas actually, I think I'm hearing more and more people like you hear celebrities talk about how they just wish they had this, you know, yeah, anonymity of just like, I can go hide away and not be known. Like sometimes it's not great to be fully known. You feel like you have no space or no privacy. So I love this tension and I love leaning into like, how can I just live this ordinary peaceful life? And like, what could God really do through that? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's a really 
insightful thing to think on. Two things. One is you think about the celebrity culture, which we just we're full blown in celebrity culture and we have been for a while. And it's easy to compare ourselves to celebrities. But look, that's a really unique calling. And I don't think a whole lot of celebrities do it well. Right. I think some celebrities do it well, but not a whole lot of them do. I am so don't ask me about like if you ever play like a or it's just a funny story over Christmas Eve, our in-laws wanted to play this game. You ever play fishbowl? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, take we, words our out of fish yeah, fish right? So if you yeah. don't know what it is, Google it. But there's a version of it called Celebrity. And oh, so you I'd just be put terrible. Yeah, like, yeah. I literally don't know anyone's name. No, no like, I revolted. No, no. I'm like, look, I want to have fun. And this is not going to be fun. All the people I'm going to put in here are going to be just regular boring names you're not going to know most of them are calling you pastors of sermons that i listen to or wrote books like you're not going to know who they are so anyways we didn't play but or we are full-blown in the celebrity culture right and so we compare ourselves to them but honestly there's an aspect of their life that is ordinary too they have to wake up they have to get dressed they have to eat food they have to take steps they have to walk places now they might be able to do that in a little bit more luxury than some of us can but they're still ordinary people. They're not demigods. They're just people. And some of them might struggle with the celebrity limelight. I mean, we've read about plenty of articles of people who struggle with that sort of stuff. So one thing is just look at them. Don't compare yourself, but just recognize, look, they're ordinary people too. So they've got ordinary, they got to pay bills. It might be easier for them to pay bills, but they got to pay bills. They still have the same life struggles that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And right. like in that tension too, I like that we're talking about it because like we're not saying people who have fame are wrong or that is wrong. Or even like we could say that about money or all these things. Like, no, we're just saying there's tension in that. And we're saying there's like, likely that it may just be harder to follow Jesus if that is your life. But also like that may be the reality of some people. I know really awesome people with tons of people who follow them who are really probably faithfully following Jesus. But that is probably just a very small percentage. And like you're saying, if that's our end goal, we've got this largely like mixed up exactly, of what we're right? trying to accomplish here. Yes. And that was, you know, you had said something. The second thing I, I wanted to address was like the struggle to want your podcast to grow. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, Hey, having dreams and aspirations, like you can't have them, right? Sorry. It's just not a biblical thing to have dreams. It is for sure a biblical thing to have dreams and aspirations and want things to grow. Just think about Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus changed the world, right? How many Jesus followers were there when he was 33 years old? At one point there was 12 Mm-hmm. Right. There were yeah. 12 disciples. Yeah. And then there were people following him, 75 and 500, right? You get all these different numbers. How many are there now? I mean, there's billions, right? And there's more to come. So it's okay to want things to grow. It's just what is it that we want to grow? Right. You guys have a good product. You have something that people need and can listen to and can help them flourish in their walk with Jesus or in their relationships with people. So it's okay to want those things to grow. But if you're sitting here saying, hey, you know, we're going to make this podcast grow so that I can go and buy that brand new Tesla or I can get in a bigger house. Like, okay, it's not wrong to want some of those things and to desire those things. But if your purpose for growing something is for your own end goal, then I think you've kind of made it a little bit backwards. You want to enjoy the things of this life and then let God have the glory later instead of giving God the glory on the front end and then enjoying him and what he provides for you. And it's scary. Like I think sometimes I have an urge to just be like, oh, let's just like end it all and go back to whatever my day, whatever. And it's just like, because I think we know ourselves as humans and we know how it feels when you get 
personal glory and when things start becoming successful. And I I would just hope that I have enough people in my life and not to make it about this podcast and us, but I think I'm just relating to this sense of like, you see how easy it can be to fall into these patterns of like having it be about us and just how that fulfills that immediate kind of, wow, people like me, people want more of me. What I'm doing is matters. And it is so easy to slip out of that giving God the first glory. And so that's something that I pray for. I pray for a lot of other like pastors too that have roles that I'm like, you know, there's kind of this like shame right now too on like a celebrity pastor because it's like, it gets murky. It's like, well, they have this cool platform they're able to teach from, but also like are we loving the person? I mean, we've had a few people on the podcast where I even feel myself feeling weird about being like, oh my gosh, I love you because it's like, I don't want them to think that I'm like worshiping who they are. But I also think we can acknowledge like, hey, you're using something God's given you and you're doing a great work in it and you're being Mm -hmm. faithful to it. And so it's just like also keeping that intention. I think when we're when you're seeking God wholeheartedly, like those things easily align. But it's like when we stop doing that, that things start to get murky. So yeah. And like you said, it's not wrong to have big dreams and aspirations and goals. I was just thinking like, there are certain people who I think God gives the gift of having these like big dreamer personalities and where we have to just recognize like, that's okay for some people. And if that is not your inclination, like that's also okay. There is like cool things he has for you in the more mundane things he has planned for your life. So yeah, a hundred percent. I just think we get trapped. I get trapped so often in comparing myself to other people like, oh, I don't have what they have or I don't get to do what they get to do. And that's just a dangerous game to play because you can always compare, especially now. Even unfulfilling game. Oh. Like you're never going to be fulfilled <laughs> in that. Oh, I know that 100%. Yeah. It's very unfulfilling. But there's just, I mean, in this, like, we're all connected, right? We've got a couple phones out here. Like, we could get on and we can look at whoever we want to, wherever we want in the world. We, before we started recording, we were talking about what's going on in Idaho, right? Like, that's not even in our neck of the woods, right? It's not something that happened here in Columbia or in Missouri. It happened in Idaho. I mean, I think Boise, that's a city in Idaho. Outside of that, I couldn't tell you anything yeah, this else. This is in, Mo- I wouldn't first kept saying Moscow, murders in yeah. Moscow. I was like, yeah. wow, we're yeah. really going Yeah, Russia and Ukraine, man. Things are happening. There's <laughs> yeah. lots of murders going on that yeah. part of the world right now. But we're just so connected. And so there's always going to be the temptation to compare ourselves to people that are not even in our circles. And I just think that's really dangerous. It's really hard to ever feel, like you said, Christian, fulfilled by that because it's not what God wants for us. I think we've already laid this baseline, but I'm just going to name it. Like, so where does, where does being okay with ordinary and mundane come from? It comes from a relationship with God. I mean, first and foremost, I think if you are living outside of a relationship with God, you can still find meaning and purpose in your life. But at some point you'll come to a headway or a fork in the road where you have to make a decision and you say, well, this ordinary thing does not seem very fulfilling to me. It doesn't seem like it's going to get me what I want. And the other decision is to look at the creator of the universe and say, just in who I am, there is meaning and purpose. I mean, I am created by the one who holds all these things together, who put it all together, who is going to be here after I die, who's going to be here even after my kin die, my kids. And so 
I think you can do that. But I, honestly, I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't believe this. I, mean, I really do think following Jesus is the only way you can really feel satisfied in just mundane, ordinary life. Because we have been given dignity and worth and meaning and purpose through a relationship with Jesus. I mean, like out of the universe, Cameron created all the stars. He created the trees. He created all these things. He knows you and he knew you before you were born. I just think that gives us the freedom to say, okay, like I don't have to strive for all these other things because I'm known. I am known. You were saying this earlier. We just want to be known and loved. And we are. It comes from that. That's the foundation. And then you kind of have to build out from them because honestly, like I don't wake up every morning like thinking that. I don't wake up saying, okay, I'm known. I feel known, yeah. Right, but that's why I strive when people ask, like, who are you? Tell me about yourself. Well, I'm a Jesus follower. It just helps remind me, okay, like that is who I am. First and foremost, a beloved child of God. I can remember that. I can build out of that. I am not perfect. I've got so much brokenness in my life. If I shared all those things, people would probably stop listening at 25 minutes in, right? But there's just a sense of peace and calm that comes from just being reminded that we are beloved children of God and in relationship with Jesus, like what more do we need? Mm-hmm. Like we got more. I think maybe we should all put the last like minute and a half on repeat for ourselves <laughs> yeah. because that was good. I mean, yeah, you're just yeah, preaching. Amen. Yeah, amen to the gospel of like yeah. we are we are fulfilled, fully known, fully loved. All of these things that you know, God created us with these desires because He meets all those desires. He's like, I am the what you are craving and what you are desiring. And I like created you. I know you like, I mean, it's just amazing. But then there's tension, right? And that's what we want to talk about. We talk about some of the tension, right? Because we live in a highly individualistic culture. We live in the celebrity culture. We live- A success valued culture. Like how much money are you making and how how high have you climbed in that career or whatever? And it's all accelerating. So there's a really great book. It's a very heady book. It took me a long time to read that. I know, I'm sorry. But if you're interested in reading it, it's by a guy named Hartmut Rosa. I will spell it out for you later. He's a German thinker, philosopher, not not a Christian, but he talks about how our world is only accelerating. So we're, we need more and more and more of these things. So to have a successful life means to have more money. In 10, 15, 20 years from now, that benchmark is going to be even higher. It's exhausting yeah, I was, already. I was just talking to someone the other day that like <laughs> oh. for someone to be and some people are going to hear this and be like, well, that, but like to be a millionaire these days, like I remember as a kid, you're like, Oh, yes. a millionaire. Like, you don't know a millionaire. Yeah. There's and like a lot like, of millionaires. Yeah, now. it's like, yes. okay, a millionaire, yeah. like that, what? Great. That's yeah. not that hard, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Show me a billion and then exactly. I'll be impressed. <laughs> it's like, what's, okay, that, I don't actually think that, yeah. but I think that's I how our culture yeah. like, yeah. thinks of it. And so, yeah, it's just like, it's kind of frightening to think about, like, what's it going to be when our kids are adults and, like, what are they going to have to strive right. for? And so, what happens when you need more and more and more of something and you mix that with a highly individualistic culture? I mean, we feel like we have to conquer everything people, jobs, right? Just think about our like, emotions be all sat yes. like figured out. Everything and, yeah. is like a battle or a war. And so I'll joke about this. I mean, I'm, it's the new year. So we've started resolutions. I'm in a challenge with a bunch of men in my community to try and lose some weight Okay, from Ooh. now until March. Right oh, before was my spring husband break. doing that with you? Because he's doing it with some people. Oh, am I? Is he in the same oh, group? Yeah, he actually is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's it's funny. An ama- it's there an amazing go. text chain. I wish we could share with the world, but we won't. Are you guys doing like before and after photos? Well, I was, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, one of the jokes on the text chain is that we'd make a calendar. A calendar? Oh, of the photos. pictures? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I don't think that will <laughs> ever see the our, light of Maybe day. on our podcast when we're like, hey, coming up this week, we'll put your before and after oh, photo. As- uh, it'll be a maybe a colossal failure. Hey, if you no want to be idea. really vulnerable and just, you know, 
Just yeah. kidding. No, 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 I'm good. No, okay. I mean, we'll I've give already you said your that privacy in that. A lot of weight. But like, so I'm doing a bunch of workouts mm-hmm. and every workout in trainers, we got to conquer this. We have to defeat it. We yeah. have, I'm like, why yeah. do I have to, like, why do I have to battle? This why can thing? you just like kind of get through it? Like, yeah. that would be yeah. a like, for me. Can't we just go alongside each other and yeah. like do this yeah. thing yeah. together? It makes me feel like I'm failing in the middle of it when I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I guess I just can't battle this. I can't battle my way. Okay. I'm failing. Right. So, but anyways, I say that you put that into our walk with Jesus. It does not compute. Like we need to conquer and battle and continue to accelerate. It's a walk with Jesus. Do you guys know how fast you walk? Not very fast. Justin's always like dragging me if we're holding hands. I'm like, slow down. I have little legs. The (laughs) average person walks at three miles per hour. Three, three miles per hour, right? So we hear the term all the time, like Godspeed, right? Go with you. Godspeed be with you. Jesus walked, right? Three miles per hour. It's not fast. He's not conquering anything by walking at that speed, but we just move in this such this fast paced culture that to walk to really think I just saw a video on YouTube and it was a guy, he was trying to promote this product of shoes that can make you walk faster. I kid you not. I, this The timing was, well, divine probably. Were they like Skechers rollers? They like were like roller these little shoes? Because like we've already had those. <laughs> yeah, my son has wheelies. He got them yeah, for wheelies. Christmas. I'm like, what are they yeah. called? He, like, no, what? they used to be called Heelys. <laughs> oh, Heelys. Yeah, are. are those coming back? No, that, yeah, I think so. Because honestly, those do help back, you make, yeah. those do actually make, make yeah, you walk faster. Yeah, it's like the walk faster, walk So if you're about to glide. This guy claimed these shoes would make you walk 250 percent faster wow. yeah, i'm not good at Big math percentage. don't even try yeah. and go from three miles making, per hour no. so, no. yeah. yeah so anyways so that's the culture we live in so that's the tension that all of us and all of your listeners we struggle with that yeah. it's in our face we see it every day we're inundated with news articles that are like i was trying to listen to the news about columbia missouri where we live on the way over here and i could not find it on the radio it was a little bit frustrating and then i realized oh i gotta i can probably just find a podcast somewhere that will do that for me so anyways we're just so connected across the world we're such a global economy we're such a global culture as jesus followers it's not bad to look at those things and to pay attention to them. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't, we should be informed on what's going on in the world, but we need to remember like, okay, Jesus walked places. It was slow. Maybe I should just walk to my neighbor's house, see how they're doing. Mom. Yeah. There are people next door that are hurting and in pain, and we're too concerned about feeling every emotional need of the kids and wherever, which again yes. is important, but like sometimes 100%. we're not seeing the needs placed in right in front of us. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but I will forever be just amazed by the story of Ruth because if you read stories about her life, they are a lot of like historical evidence and just stories in the Bible that she probably in her most ever came into contact with like under 200 other women. So like, if you think about that, like I can see 200 women on my social media within a minute, probably. I could see 200 other women. I can be concerned with 200 other women's people's problems. I can try to be with what they're wearing and what they're doing, all their expectations of me. When really like, no, if we're actually following Jesus faithfully, maybe it just looks like showing up for the people. And how often as we as people say, I don't have time to do that for that friend, or I don't have the capacity to like sit down and listen to her problems because she has so many, or I don't have, I mean, I can think of things that I've thought and felt myself but it's probably because I'm actually like trying to do too many things that probably like bring me glory or do too many things just like in period, like altogether that I just really need to like slow down. So talk to us about that. Like, I mean, you talked about even these celebrities or ordinary people. We're all waking up. We're all making breakfast. We're all putting on our shoes. We're all getting dressed. Like talk to us about that, though. So like you have been on this kind of path of like figuring that out and really challenging yourself. But how do you think we actually do that well? 
Yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, it does go back to that principle that we said. I mean, how how am I setting my life up to glorify God, right? So is there a wrong way to put your shoes on? Probably not, right? Like, so I don't want to sit here and say like those tasks have like life altering, you know, maybe I could tease that out a little bit, but let's just be honest. Most of the things we're talking about is like sitting down, taking time to chat with my kids after school. Like, what do I want to do? And I came home like, okay, well, the house is about to get like a thousand times more chaotic. My individual selfish self wants to protect the sanity that's in my little bubble. And so I try and stay away from my kids, or this is what I want to do. Try and stay away from my kids. I don't want to engage with them. They have incoherent conversations. I mean, you guys have kids, right? Like you talk to them and it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm like, how was your day at school? Oh, it was great. And then blah, 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 blah. Hey dad, by the way, can we go to this thing or blah, the sky's blue. It's like, it's like, oh, hey, okay, time out. Like, what are we talking about here? So the decision to talk to my kids after school is a very important one, giving them time, right? Showing them that they're loved and that they're cared for because that's what's been shown to me by my father in heaven, right? And showing them that, hey, you know what? Let's talk about that Lego thing you want to go finish. In fact, let's go do it. I don't know how many times my seven-year-old has asked me in the past two weeks to finish the Legos he's gotten for Christmas. And there's this culture of just being like, well, no, because that does, that's not fulfilling for me as a dad, like as a man, as a 36 year old guy building Legos is not really fulfilling for me, if I'm honest. But what is fulfilling is the look on my son's face. I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. And we go down there and we start building Legos. And that, again, that's just fostering a very ordinary decision in an ordinary relationship that I'm hoping glorifies God, not because we're talking about spiritual things. We do we have devotions, we pray and all those different things, but it's because I've told him yes. And I want to spend time with him. And then as he grows, he trusts me and we have conversations about harder things. He comes to me when he's having problems, right? So he just, it's again, it's small things. I love to use the analogy of trees, right? So you look out here, we got the magic tree, right? That thing is amazing. I haven't seen that ever before. I mean, the magic tree used to be in a neighborhood when I lived here before. Yeah, I mean, it still is, but it's like, we drove by (laughs) both this year and the other one's kind of like, wah, wah, wah. It doesn't compare, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if there's anything that's good and beautiful about growing and getting bigger, it is trees, right? Trees get so beautiful, but you know how long it takes for a tree to get that big? Years decades. So on an evergreen tree, I I learned this from someone in Grand Rapids, you know, a lot of times there's lots of evergreen trees in Michigan. You can tell how old they are by how many layers of, so about every every tier of branch is about seven to eight years. Oh, that's actually really cool. Seven to eight years, That's actually very cool. So it takes time. So I say that, like, there's a lot of time that goes into wanting the big, extraordinary things. I want my son, Theo, to love God and love people. When he is old, when he's 36, 40, that's what I want. But that's going to take time. It's going to take small, ordinary decisions to invest. And look, I don't do it perfectly. There are times I'm like, I put my headphones in. I love AirPod Pros. You can just noise cancel everything out. I love that. But there are times you just got to make that hard decision. It's sitting out at the breakfast table. He wants another bowl of cereal. Like, okay, it's great. Like, this is some time to facilitate just an ordinary conversation. And again, that you just play that out in all areas of your life. Okay, so you play that out with your neighbors, with your family, with your kids, with your job, with the people that you're interacting with. There's a great book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John mm-hmm. Mark Comer. We've talked about it a lot yeah, on great. this podcast, yeah. I mean, I am a big John Mark Comer fan. I just think that he, 
and he is a lot like me. And he's, he's not an original, right? He's pulling things from all sorts of people. But he talks about time. Time is one of the things that we just don't give enough attention to. And we're so worried about being so fast paced and moving on to the next thing. You know, we just need to walk that three mile per hour over to our neighbors. We got some neighbors, just use this as a quick story. They've lived in that house since it was built. So they've been there 40 plus years. We, we moved there in July. So we're like the complete opposite of them. We've lived there a very short amount of time. We're new to the neighborhood. They're lovely people. And they are, because of their age, having to move into assisted living. And they're doing that in Kansas City. And you can just see the heartbreak that is on their faces as they're selling things. And so we went over there the other day and was just chatting with them. And you could just tell, look, I am not the beacon of a good example by any means in any any areas. But we just walked over there and we just listened to them. And you could tell they were sad. I'm going to cry thinking about it. They're just sad to leave the place that's been home for 40 plus years. They're moving to Kansas City. And so it's just those sorts of conversations that's taking the time. It's like, okay, what else could I have done in that hour where I really just listened to them kind of talk about the memories? And I don't know any, I mean, I've only lived there for five months. I don't know any of the things they're talking about. I don't even know them that well because they didn't come back from their cottage in Michigan until like October. So it's just, it's, that is an example of what I think ordinary choices, ordinary things that can make hopefully an impact in someone's life. And just being there to listen. Because I mean, that's what Jesus yeah. did, right? So I was going to ask this, and I feel like we've kind of answered it. But just to like bring it through, it's like to the person who's sitting here listening to all of this and has somehow mixed up in their minds, which I'm saying this is like, I think we all have in a way of computing mundane and ordinary as like boring and stale and complacent in life, stagnant. This is going to sound one of those dumb Instagram cliches that you would scroll through and see, but finding like the extraordinary in the ordinary, it almost becomes this like enlightening thing, like the more you do it. So like you probably walked away from that conversation. And I think it's again about reframing, like you could have either looked at it as like, oh my gosh, I came outside to like mow the lawn really quick and I ended up just wasting an hour listening to these people talk. Or you flip that narrative and you say, I came out to mow the lawn that wasn't important in that moment. What was so cool is that I got to have this really cool conversation. And you'll probably, even if you know you knew them for a short period, they were neighbors for like four or five months, it's like, you'll always remember just, wow, that's so cool that those people like were faithfully living on that street for 40 years. And I don't know, I just think there's something about when we can like switch the narrative in our mind to stop viewing these mundane, ordinary things as boring but to view it as like, what kind of cool extraordinary pieces can pop up in my day when I choose to see them? Because a lot of times we're just not seeing it that way. Mm-hmm. And we're not slowing down enough to see it. I mean, I think recently, I mean, you guys know me and my husband. And honestly, the past like probably six months, we have been on like, I personally have been on just like an adventure to be like, I got to slow down my life because it's part of my personality. You guys on the podcast know this and talk about it all the time. But it's honestly like coming into the new year, someone asked like, what was the best part of 2022? And I literally shared, I was like, I think it was my marriage and my kids because I just think life right now feels really rich. I say that by no means like in a financial way. I say that in like a no, like life just seems really rich. Like I feel like my husband and I have gotten into a good rhythm of slowing down and really like enjoying relationships we have, enjoying our jobs, enjoying our kids. It just seems really sweet and rich. And I'm just like, gosh, why did I not do this 
so many years ago because I'm like, this seems so great. I and I really want to like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really want to like cling to that because I think, again, you go back to the Bible. Like if we are going to be people who emulate the lives of Jesus and in our walk with him, try to become more like him, pursue, you know, reflecting him here on earth, then like, why are we trying to run this pace that like no one can run? And why are we trying to like be all these things and accomplish all this stuff and be this great success and be this amazing conqueror and whatever of whatever battle instead of just saying like, no, Lord, like you have already done that. What I'm supposed to do is like steward what you have given me well. And it's just super convicting if we genuinely are looking at every piece of our day, like flipping that script. Yeah, 100%. And look, I want to acknowledge, there's probably someone that's listening to this. It's like, yeah, I mean, you guys have been saying some good things. I still just don't feel it. Like, I feel like my life is boring. I feel like there's no purpose and meaning to it. And I want to just acknowledge like that. I'm sorry. Like, that's hard. Yeah. Or you see people that you're like, good things happen to all these other people, but like nothing happens for me. Right. I want to acknowledge that there are people that are going to struggle with that. And one thing is, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Like, I don't wish that upon anyone. I don't want anyone to be sitting there and be like, yeah, this is all great, but it doesn't mean anything to me. It's like, well, you know, but the second thing is I beg to differ. Like, I do think it, it matters for you. And what I would encourage that person is just to find somebody to share that with. That's probably one thing people haven't done enough of is just sharing how they really feel. Like, man, I I really feel bored. I really feel like all I'm doing is folding my kids' laundry and having these rambling conversations with them and feeding them food. Or maybe I don't even have kids and I want kids and I can't do that. And my life doesn't feel fulfilled because I can't do it. Okay. I totally get that. And I've had seasons of life where I've been there as well. And I don't want to minimize those things. And I think people just need to chat with other folks, just sit down, have a conversation, share those things out, and then entertain the idea, if you don't already, that you have dignity and worth. Just ask questions of your friends like, hey, what are the good things about me? And if someone draws a blank, just get up and go find a different friend. <laughs> like yeah. Your friends should see the good things in you and they should be able to encourage you. Like community matters. And that's why I love doing small groups. Like community matters in a lot of this stuff. So that's what I would, yeah. And may we be the friends who are really quick to point out in other people the good things about them because we get all weird and insecure and feel weird to compliment someone when it's actually like the way you can see a person's face light up when you can just like genuinely say, Christian and I talk about this a lot. We challenge each other of like in the Starbucks line, like how can you compliment the person who they're just like serving quick, quick, quick and to take the time and be like, always sometimes be like, how's your day going? And they just look at you, first of all, kind of shocked because people don't really ask that. And it's like, they're just this fast food worker that maybe could be feeling, you don't know what they're going through. And to be asked a question like that, I know how that brings me dignity. Like to feel like someone cares about what my day is like, you know? a hundred percent. We just did a, I was telling you guys before this, did a wedding over New Year's Eve, which is a lot of fun. And it's, you know, it gets all built up. And, but one of my favorite things to do when I'm at events, like that is find the people that are serving and like cleaning up tables and then just get to know them. So there was this guy, Steve, I guarantee you he'll never listen to this podcast, but there's this guy, Steve, just an amazing, just lovely guy. He's there cleaning our table, like, you know, 
He's got three boys. I can tell you a lot about his life, but he came to me at the end of the night and was like, look, I haven't had a conversation like that in years. So it just shows you the importance of like listening to people and asking questions and just being involved. So look, that's one example. I don't know if I'll ever see Steve again and that's okay, but we have people in our life. We have neighbors, we have family, we have friends, we have coworkers. We have people that we just, we see all the time, but we don't really know anything about them. We just need to stop, ask ourselves, okay, do I have 10 to 15 minutes? The answer is yes, you do, because you don't know what, uh, there's another great book called No Little People by Francis Schaeffer. And the idea behind the whole book is, look, there, there's no little people, right? There's no such thing as a small person. There's no such thing as an insignificant person. Everybody has meaning and worth, right? Because they're image bearers of God. And so we just take the time, 15, 20 minutes to just ask people questions. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I want to read a quote. I've been wanting to read this quote probably from the beginning. It's like the best quote that I could find on all this topic. And I think how it kind of ties all this stuff together is because, look, there's small choices, right? We talked about trees. We talked about how it takes time. And in this quote, Tish Harrison Warren, she wrote a book called The Liturgy of Ordinary, right? So there couldn't be a better book on this stuff. It's a fantastic book. If you don't have time to read it, listen to it on Audible at double time, right? Because we got to speed through things, right? (laughs) Or she does a great talk on YouTube through this book as well during the pandemic. But she's this quote like, okay, like all these small, ordinary decisions that we make, But what about the revolutions? What about the extraordinary? What about the changes we want to have in life? So here's what she says. A sign hangs on a wall in a new monastic Christian community house. Everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. She says, I remain and I still am a Christian who longs for revolution, for things to be made new and whole in beautiful and big ways. But what I am slowly seeing is that you can't get to the revolution without learning to do the dishes. The kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are quiet, repetitive, and ordinary. I often want to skip the boring daily stuff to get to the thrill of an edgy faith. But it's in the dailiness of the Christian faith, the making the bed, the doing the dishes, the praying for our enemies, the reading the Bible, the quiet, the small, that God's transformation takes root and grows. I think it's a beautiful picture of, look, like there are so many things that we want to see, right? We want to see war stop in Ukraine and Russia. And that's something that, look, I'm not going to tell you, we don't want to stop praying for that. We don't want to see that stop. We want the person in Idaho who committed these murders to be convicted. Like we want to see Christians pop up all over the world. We want to see extraordinary things happen. But how does it happen? Well, it happens in the small, ordinary decisions that you and I make every day. And look, they feel tedious. Sometimes they are tedious. Like I'm a pastor and it's hard for me to pray sometimes. I just admit that. Like sometimes I feel like, oh, I need 20 minutes. I have 20 minutes. What could I do? Prayer is not usually popping up at the top of my list. It probably should be. So I find things to help me do that and spend intentional time in prayer and praying for people and things to happen because it feels monotonous. It feels just so small, but it's so impactful. It's how God works through his people. And it's just ordinary. Yeah. I'm really glad that we had to wait till the end of the conversation for you to say that quote, because I just feel like that wraps up. There's so many more things we could talk about and go into, but this is such a, I feel like it's a conversation that I'm not hearing a lot of right now. And so I'm excited. Christian and I got inspiration from hearing, we went to like our small group, we're both small group leaders. And so got to go here kickoff night. And this was just to kind of encourage leaders and get them ready for the semester ahead in the fall. And I like, it's funny because we didn't tell each other we were both going to that same breakout little talk. 
And so she walks in and I'm like, of course, we all come to, we always we have said, to. Let's go to different yeah, ones. Yeah, I was like, let's go to and different ones. And we walked into yours. the same. But I remember we both were like looking at each other across the room as you were talking because this is it. Like this is what our life as Christians, a lot of girls our age too, it's just like you're in that mundane, whether you're single or married with kids or whatever you're doing. It's like, it's those daily things that I think sometimes we're not realizing everyone outside of us are actually looking at is like, there's something different about the way that that person is just going about their daily life. And it might not, you might not be able to put your finger on it or pinpoint it exactly, but it is just this daily walking that builds up to this life that at the, hopefully at the end of our lives, people would say they lived an incredible life. And even as we end here, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I think about this conversation. I'm like, all of us like right now are saying this is an ordinary conversation, but we pray that it is extraordinary in people's lives, that we here in person are taking this information and doing something with it and really challenging ourselves to flip the script. But then also you listening that you are really like taking this in and thinking like, how can I steward what God has given me in a way that other people look at, like you're saying, Samantha, and think, well, that looks different. I want to hear more. We didn't plan for this, but would you close us in prayer? Uh, Yeah, 100%. Happy to. Father, we are first and foremost thankful, thankful for this day, thankful for the ability to have this conversation in public and to put it out there publicly. There are lots of places where you can't do that. So we thank you for that. And we thank you for the conversation because it started with you. It started with just ordinary things happening in extraordinary ways. You created us. You have given us dignity and worth and meaning and purpose. And I just pray that we would find our sense of self through you, not in other things, not in other people not in who we become or who we want to become, but in you, because Jesus died to love us. Jesus died to say, I know you and I love you. And so, Lord, I just pray this conversation will be one that we remind ourselves of as we wake up, as we go, as we have the conversations with our family members and our kids, but also that you would just make a movement of people looking for the extraordinary in the ordinary and having those conversations or just that would glorify you. And so that's all we ask, that you would be glorified by this conversation and the many to come after it. And we lift this all up to you and ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Addison. Thanks so much for joining yeah. us today. So Happy. we really thanks appreciate it. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.